0: Hey guys, what's up, Matt here. Welcome to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. Today, we're gonna to talk about OODA Loop and how it refers to sales and business. Okay, if you don't know what that is, then stick around to the end, you'll find out. And we're also gonna go over how sales and persuasion and NEPQ in particular has benefited myself and other people in just day-to-day life. So if you wanna hear more about that, then stick around all the way through to the end and we'll see you after the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. I think I nailed that one.
1: You did. Yes, it was was the best.
0: Thanks, man. You're the best at
1: the intro. I mean, (laughs) not the best in this room. (laughs) But the
0: best of the people who just did it. Yeah.
1: Well, then you can do the fucking intro. (laughs) Hey guys, what's up? Patrick. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Coffee Is for Closers. Today we're gonna to be talking about the OODA loop. Well, the reason we're gonna do that is <laughs> recently in a podcast, we mentioned it. We did. And we said, hey, if you want to hear more about it, tell us a little in comment. And comment. <laughs> the comments came in. Just one from by someone who works for us.
0: <laughs> That's how
1: it works here. Yeah, here we are. Recently, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of different
0: experiences. Which has been quite interesting to me, where we have used the art of sales to get what we want. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was funny. I was talking to Marco recently, and he uh, applied for this house in Melbourne. He's just like it's beautiful, like two bit, two story, fantastic place, great view, all that kind of so stuff. So rental property to live in? Yeah, okay. yeah. And he's just like I really want it, and I was like, yes, yeah, we go and go and get it. So he provided me as a reference, and the guy called me and was like, he was like, is this? is this real? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, are you referring to how much money Marco makes? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's all legit. Yeah. I, was like, that's, I was like, how much money did he tell you? And I was like, oh, that's probably an
1: underestimate. That's conservative. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he yeah. makes more than that. The I was like, oh
0: my goodness. So anyway, I had to kind of give the guy the background of him and yep. the business and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he didn't get the place. Mm. I was shocked. And so he Marco calls the guy and is like, what's going on? He's like, oh, the owner just didn't didn't think it was right. I think because he's like a, a, you know, twenty-eight year old guy looks like a drug dealer. Yeah, right. Basically, is what is what's going on there, and so he kind of like left it for like a day or two, and then he's like, I really want this apartment, like that. Mm-hmm. So he calls the guy and he's like, Hey, man, how are you? He's like, Yeah, good. He's like, Get any more? applications it's like
1: oh no, not yet like, I'm guessing it's a very expensive apartment it's too, not right? cheap yeah yeah
0: it's not like crazy crazy, but it's I think from Melbourne maybe it is maybe I'm skewed because I'm from Sydney yeah, okay yeah you yeah. know what I mean um and I was like, uh he's like, yeah so he's like, oh he's like, well are you still are you still looking to lease it out he's like, oh yeah and then so Just not to you he's just like Okay, now he's trying to find a problem. He's like, all right, cool. So he's still looking to lease it out. And so he just goes through a full, like, okay, I'm just going to sell this guy into I'm the right guy for the apartment. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, man. So, like, what are you looking for in a tenant? Like, why wasn't I a good fit? Just kind of went through that kind of stuff. And then he's like, well, what happens, man? Another two weeks or two months goes by and you don't, you don't find a candidate that's Makes as much money, or as qualified, or has as good a rental history as me. Like, what happens? What happens to you? He's like, oh man, I would, I'd probably lose the listing. <laughs> and Mark is like, well, you don't want to lose the listing, do you? Mm-hmm. He's like, no. He's why not? And the guy's and He goes, and like, I don't know. Like, do do you feel like my application was strong? He's like, yeah. He's like, why do you, why do you feel that way? Kind of reselling him on him. And he's like, well, man, like, you know, what happens if you lose this listing? He's like, oh fuck, man, that'd be shit. It's a great listing. The owner has a couple properties with us. And he's like, well, man, like, you know, are you really willing to settle for that? He's like, no, it's, why not? Like that fully just took him through like solution, consequence. And then he's like, well, man, like, if you think, like, I'd be happy to reapply. <laughs> um, but if I did, how, like, how do you think you'd go to the owner and, you know, get him, convince him that I'm the right guy? And he said to him and he goes, do you want to make a suggestion? sure and then he's told him how to sell the owner yeah right. anyway Marco moves in next week yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: so tell me about the phases that he did there so uh, we've talked about first thing is problem awareness so yeah. he had to create the problem for the guy like he's just thinking this is a A listing, no problem. Like it'll, someone will want it, and so he had to create the idea that maybe nobody else does want it, right? Or, or that um, maybe the
0: owner's got unrealistic expectations as to what he wants from a tenant, Mm -hmm. you know. And so he had to kind of reveal that yes, there is a problem here. Like you're looking to sell something. I'm looking to buy it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like that you haven't you haven't done that yet. So clearly there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, let's establish the fact that you still want to do it and that there there is a problem. The next is like, what are you looking for in a tenant? You know what I mean? And kind of reinforcing some of the things that they're looking for, of which he ticks many of the boxes. Mm -hmm. And then it goes through like a consequence phase, which is really what it's all about here like what happens if you don't find somebody. And they mm. just probably never considered it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like what that does is it's wrapping up some urgency mm-hmm. on it so that the guys can so that he can go, oh shit, like I've got to do something about this. So then he can and then and then by providing a suggestion, you know, it's like, well let's go back to the guy. Mm-hmm. And if you I want, I'm happy to help you out, man. Like I'm happy to help you. I'll reapply, put everything in, you know what I mean? And then and then by seeing how he would go back to the guy. Like that's where you can see his sales pitch. And his sales pitch is probably trash. Right. You know? So what you gotta do is you gotta kind of then coach him on how to do it. And what you would do is you would you would instead of going to like, hey, I've got this great tenant and he's really, really good and ticks all the boxes, like that's not what you want. You wanna go through with like a like a more of a, a problem base. It's like, hey, um, you know, we haven't had that many people through. I've I haven't had many qualified candidates just because of the market. Right. I have had one very qualified candidate. um, And I think he might still be open if we are able to come back to him. Mm -hmm. Like, would you be open to me getting in touch with the qualified candidate? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like, yes, it is. So come at them with a problem. They're going to be more likely to, instead of just coming at them with like great solutions. And that's the same as in business. Like, you never want, especially like in my business in sales, no one's ever going to be responsive to the referral. Hey, speak to Matt. He's a sales killer. Right. It's just not a productive referral, you know? It's like, hey, okay. go and speak to Matt. He really helped me overcome Think About It objections.
1: Okay. That's a great... The specific. That's a
0: great referral. You know, oh, go speak to Pat. He's awesome with dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know plenty of people who are awesome with dogs. Hey, go speak to Pat. He really helped my pet aggressive pet stop being pet aggressive. Or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, oh, sweet, nice specific problem. And especially if you teach that person how to go out there and get it, they can find the people and they figure out what kind of problem the person's having. And then from there, the referrals are far more sticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes you know? sense. Yeah.
1: So um, we we just made a video uh, probably be here uh, on okay. yeah right there uh, on cost of inaction. So that would have been a big. Uh, chunk of what Marco was doing there with the guy right on yeah. like but what will happen if you don't yeah and so I think the way that you framed that in the video when we filmed it and you know, I'm editing it right now it's why it's fresh on my mind is uh, you know it was like cost of inaction of of not doing something right like not signing up for something, yeah. this is a cost of inaction of like not at sell, not being this not allowing Marco to move in and therefore like losing the listing so it's not just a case yeah. of like framing cost of inaction of like what you couldn't achieve, but it's what actually could be lost from you right? yeah, so it's
0: like what what's what's the natural what's like the logistical conclusion? Mm You know, the people always talk about like slippery slopes. Mm -hmm. So a cost of an action is a way to discuss the slippery slope. Right. You know, all of a sudden you let someone use a bathroom and then people are, you know, you know, marrying beavers. Right. (laughs) Like that's the, that's the slippery slope. Okay. So it's like, okay, well let's talk about that in a logical manner. Yeah. And then go, well, if you, if you don't find someone as qualified as me, what would happen Mm -hmm. over the next two days or two weeks or two months? Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't lease it out. And what would happen then? Well, the guy'd probably pull the listing from me. Yeah. Okay. And like, are you okay with that? No, I'm not. Well, why not? Right. So then it's about adding the detail as to like thinking about the day to day ramifications. Mm-hmm. Well, I lose a listing, I lose a client, my boss isn't happy with me, I don't hit my quotas,
1: you know, and mm. end up on the street what? sucking dick for weed picks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever sort of been laying out that cost of inaction sequence to someone? And then just go, oh, no, that wouldn't happen, mate. All the time. Yeah, and how do you handle that? Because, like, that could really happen. So imagine, you know, to stick with the same example, Marco's trying to get his place. He says to them, oh, you know, what will happen if you don't sign someone for two weeks? You could lose a listing and go, mate, this guy, he doesn't care. He wants the right person. Beat it. Like, how do you combat that where they're like, no, I just don't accept the hypothetical you're creating. I don't accept it.
0: Yeah, so... There's some nuance to obviously how you ask it. Mm-hmm. Like it has to sound like it's genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like it's very transparent. Uh,
1: okay, so you have to be careful not to be clearly leading them down the yeah, path yeah. of this leads to that. You just have to you have to be careful to frame that as yeah. genuine curiosity. Like what would?
0: Yeah, I'm what curious in. Then? Yeah. Okay. You know, and so and also like the setup for it as well. It's like you've got to kind of set up. You've got to have a few answers ahead of time. So it's like that's where like your kind of solution awareness comes in where you're like setting the scene of what it is they want, okay. right? And he's a really qualified applicant, like a very qualified applicant, right? Yeah. So you're putting together like what are you looking for in a qualified applicant, you know? So it's like you understand the boxes that need to be ticked and they might be difficult boxes or easy boxes or whatever, but he ticked almost all the boxes except for the one which is the fact that he's a young Italian guy who looks like a drug dealer. Yeah. Right? That's the only box that he ticked or didn't tick, you know? Mm -hmm. And so having an established paradigm or set of facts that you're working off is important. Otherwise, it can be too vague. Mm. The other thing is, which we actually discussed in that Cost of an Action video, um, which was somewhere over there. Right there. Yeah. Um, Which was like... Or in the comments. Leading them down emotionally too far. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of people will... they'll, They'll future pace out this crazy good success and then from there like oh but what if you never get it Ah, the devil Mm -hmm. right and that's just too much of like an emotional bridge for people to walk over so like you have to kind of take them down to reality if you're doing this in like a more of a sales environment the way the way he was doing it with this guy was far more conversational probably took seven or eight minutes yeah you know what i mean but it's just he knows the kind of some of the questions to ask to get him back in the game Mm -hmm. right um, and, but if you're doing it in sales and you're trying to get much more out of someone and you're really spending some serious time, then what you do is you sort of, you lead them up the garden path, um, in order to kind of get this great future scenario of, you know, everything lines up, you get the money you want. What do you do with the money? How does that make you feel? What are the, what are this, 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 this and this, like, what are all these tangible and emotional benefits of achieving said goal? Mm-hmm. If you then r- rug pull them, right, then they're, if you've done a good enough job, then they're not gonna believe that that's not possible. Right. Right. So they're gonna go, well, no, like, I'm gonna make it work. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well yeah, man, I get that. We all wanna make it work. What if you don't? Like, no, there is nothing that will stop me. And then from there, you're like, the heels are digging in, and now it's gonna be very difficult for you to kind of wind that back. It can mm-hmm. be done for sure, but it's a difficult process to wind it back. So what you do, which is the smarter way of doing it, which is bring them up there. Then from there, go, well, Okay, man, like, well, with the skill sets, and you have to be very specific, right? This has to be a really specific question. If it's too broad, then the answer won't be correct. Okay, so, like, with the process you have in place now, the skill set and the opportunity, which you have right now, how close are you to being able to achieve that? Like, and it's, like, the ultimate emotional payoff, Mm -hmm. right? So let's just say it's, like, uh, you know, I used to sell middle-aged women into fitness, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of them were just recently divorced, and a lot of it was, like, Look, look like a neck breakingly hot in a bikini. Mm-hmm. So you can figure out where your ex husband is having lunch with his whore of a girlfriend. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you can walk by looking smoking hot in a bikini and literally break his neck. Yeah. Right. And I was like, how would that feel? Oh, I'll fucking kill that! Right, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. brings it out. You know what I mean. So I was like, with what you have in place now, how close are you to being able to do that? Not at all. Not at all. Well, why not? Right. Explain and then get the detail. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the this. I don't have the this. All yeah. they have is the drive. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you go. Well, what if? What if that never lines up? What if you you don't get the skills and you you can use all those things that you mentioned, the opportunity, the skill set, the yada, yada, yada. What if you don't get all those things in place? Mm -hmm. Nothing changes. keep doing the same stuff you are now, which has got you to nowhere near that part. Mm -hmm. What happens then?
1: Mm.
0: Right? Then someone's, it's very difficult to go, oh, it's not going to happen. It's like, because you just admitted, well, it's happening right now. Mm. So if it's happening now, what? Like there has to be a catalyst to make it no longer be happening because you're at a fork in the, let's say you're at a fork in the road, like you're currently going down the wrong one. Mm -hmm. So we've got to change tact and go down the right one, you know?
1: Tell me about the pauses you use there. So like something you do all the time is, uh, especially when you're asking these questions, what if, what if it never happens, right? I'll probably probably do it subconsciously at this point. Yeah. But so, I mean, I watched, I, I, a dream in your voice, right? I've watched so much goddamn video and edited <laughs> so much content of you. And there's times I see that you're like searching for the next word and that's natural pauses. And on YouTube, I have to cut those out, right? Because YouTube won't accept a lull in the battle or even <laughs> half a second. Yeah. yeah. But there's other times that you give that pause and it's always in those consequence questions there where it's very intentional. Like yeah. I can see there's no way I'm cutting that out. That's not you like stalling. And taking half a second to remember the word, you know full well what word's going to come out, yeah. but you leave that gap. How uh, aware of that are you, and and how intentional is that, and what's the effect of it?
0: Well, I think like uh, there's a couple of like really interesting tonality. I don't know, like I don't know what they'd be called. I guess like things, right? Uh-huh. Like stuttering. Intentional stuttering is super powerful, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, if you're like like like. Like, what I really want to know is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it gives the intent that you're really trying to get the gears right. So what you're about to say is really important. Okay. So if you want to have that level of importance, you can just go, well, like, yeah. What I really want to know is. And, the, like, people will just be like, oh, what the fuck is this guy going to say, right? Uh, now, if you overdo it, it sounds like you're just an idiot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So all these things—it's like acting. Acting is a really interesting parallel to sales, because in acting you're trying to get the audience to invoke an emotion. In sales, you're trying to get the prospect to evoke an emotion, mm-hmm. and the way that you do that is through like your tonality, your pausing—you know, pausing before or after something will. Just because of the way that we naturally talk and the way that this really only works in, say, Western society. Like I couldn't sell someone from China in the same way. Yeah. Because their their pauses would be in totally different areas because Mm -hmm. the language is so different. We're actually incredibly lucky selling in English. Mm. English is like if you had to pick a a language to sell in, you'd want English because it's so much more comprehensive than the other language. Mm. I think it's more than twice as big as every other language combined. Okay. I think that could be complete bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't look that up. Yeah.
1: But it's a very large language mm. comparatively. Y- um, you speak pretty good conversational Spanish, right? Yeah. Have you ever sold anything in Spanish?
0: I have really poorly. Okay. It's sort of like uh like I understand Spanish really well. Yeah. And after a little bit of I can get back into conversational Spanish pretty easily. But like um I, I, I've done it, but it was sort of a
1: last... Very clunky.
0: Yeah, very clunky. and sort of Because the way in which a cell is just so... It doesn't lead itself to Spanish. Okay.
1: Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm getting at, right? So, like, it's it's hyper-specific to English and where the pauses go, and you don't necessarily... Even though, like, Spanish and English aren't too far apart. No,
0: right? and we have, like, guys who's NEPQ in Spanish and French and German and all that kind of stuff, but they just have to work on translating mm. how those pauses work. You know, because like the verbs and the pronouns are all in different spots. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> yeah, it it does. You'd have to figure that out. Yeah, and you'd have to be way more than conversational. Okay, you'd have to be a hundred percent fluent to figure okay. that out. Um, but like, we have a couple of guys in French that are just
1: murderers. So that those guys that have you're know, successfully doing NEPQ in French. Yeah, French is their first language yeah. and English is their second and they've managed to pull from English to put into French. Yeah. Not, not so the other way I've coached
0: a Spanish speaker, a French speaker and a German speaker, all of which did really well. And the first six weeks was us meticulously translating the script. Okay. It was like we, we had to work together and it's like, okay, what's the intent of this? Mm. And it was like paragraph at a time Yeah. because you have to have intent, tonality, Pausing, yeah. Why the pausing's there so they can work out how to work the pausing into different it's really complicated, but yeah. it like I probably should have recorded those sessions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably would have saved us a ton of cash. Because yeah. if you just translate them word for word, they make no fucking sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, so few things do. I think, you know, um only people who only know one language think that there's ever a straight translation for anything. Yeah, right? yeah, Like, and especially, like, I haven't spoken in ages, but my passion got pretty good. Yeah. And it was, like, it's a totally different thing. The way you frame conversations, it's yeah. all totally different. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, like, I remember there was a guy, I think well, there's a couple of Japanese speakers here, but there was a guy I did selection with who was for Japanese. And some of the insults he used to tell us were hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, I, can't, I won't butcher trying to say it in Japanese, but he was like, oh, the literal translation of that is you wear the pants of a pig. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sure I'd be offended by that. He goes, oh, oh no. That's oh, trust it. me, you would. <laughs> yeah, if you understood. Could you imagine? <laughs> if you understood the intent, you would be highly offended. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, because I'm not.
0: <laughs> uh, it's like it's like when uh, Australians throw the C word around. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Yeah. And uh, like some Americans think that is appalling. Yeah. Some think it's hilarious. Yeah. Because well, it's, such, it's a word you just don't hear over
1: there. Yeah, so when, I won't say his full name, but when Brett was on exchange with First Group, he, um, uh, you know, everyone loves him. He's a superhuman. He's one yeah, of the yeah. nicest guys on the planet. Getting along with everybody super for the first few days. And then he's in the locker room and he's like, hey, what up? <laughs> and <laughs> then they're like, like that. And everyone's cold on him for days to the point where he's like, what happened? what happened? Like, how come everyone hates me? It's like and calling someone a jerk. Yeah, well, the dude, the dude goes, you call this all cunts. Like, that's – how do you think we're going to just get along after that? And he's like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> that's not – like, I meant it in a loving way. They're like, how could you possibly mean that <laughs> in a loving way? It's like, that's just how we use it. Yeah. The, the more horrific a thing an Australian calls you, probably the more they like you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be insulted if you didn't call me one. <laughs> Get home, i mad. What happened? Pat didn't call me a con today. Yeah. I think we're drifting apart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so yeah. uh, Marco's using any you know, PQ. He's using all the tactics that uh, you know, he's a killer at. His disposal, at, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's using those in his real life, day to day, to get apartments that he wants. Um, what other examples have you got of that, certainly, like of your own life? Well, it's, it's actually...
0: One of my sales coaching clients, because I don't I don't do that very often, but he's a really nice guy, so I decided to do it. And he had the same thing where he was like, the rental market in Australia, for those of you who don't know, is like hyper competitive. Yeah, it's insane. Like there's fifty families per house, mm. and so, uh, like, especially he, at
1: that the higher end. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And he
0: messaged me and he's like, hey man, this lady is asking for a bunch of documentation that I just don't have, and I was like, okay. He's like, how do I get around this? And I was like. Okay, so Croft, she was like, hey, can you send us through your bass and this and this? He's like, I haven't done that. (laughs) I was was like, okay. I was like, okay. Just to message back, okay, I'm more than happy to get all that for you, but do you mind if I ask you a question? She was like, yeah, sweet. She's like, why do you think my family would be a good fit for this house anyway? Mm, Right? So it was distraction by question, hoping that she would just kind of forget about it. And then... I was like, you have to draw information out of her. So over text, she's like, he's pulling info about why he would be such a good fit. Okay. And then by that time, she had sold herself mm. into him being, and she's like, oh, don't worry about some of that. It's, it's fine. I think you guys would be a great fit for the house. I'll just go ahead and push through your application. Okay. You know, because like, just by asking some simple questions, you just kind of like, you can get people to sell themselves. Mm. You know? Um, and there's a couple of different other tricks, like, I'm a huge fan of using the word reasonable. I always use it in sales, okay. always. And so like, would it be reasonable too? And it's very difficult to go, no, it's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you asked me a question on the last podcast. It's like, you know, what if people are saying, I just don't have the time. And I'd be like, okay, well, would it, let's break it down. What are you actually looking for? Would it be reasonable to spend six hours a week on this? Yes, it would. Well, I'm only asking for four. So do you feel like you can reasonably put aside four hours per week to achieve X, Y, Z?
1: Mm.
0: Well, yeah, I can. Right? Of course it's reasonable, right? Mm. Because you're not like asking anything like direct, like, will you commit to putting six hours a week? It's like, well, I don't know, man. But you go, is it reasonable to do that? Yeah. Yes, it is. And so we were recently. And
1: and I suppose the the function of reasonable is I'm not asking you to commit to doing it. I'm not even asking if you will or can. Just, just, is it reasonable to? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's one of my favorite words when you're looking for like a initial stage commitment for something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Like, Hey, do you think it'd be reasonable to come down to the house and do X, Y, Z? Yes, I would. All right. Perfect. When do you think you can do that?
1: Mm, If you think it's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What are you saying? You want to do it now? Yeah. What happened? So
1: you're, you're, you're painting them into a corner where, for them to disagree, they would have to then admit that they are being unreasonable, yeah, and everyone hates being unreasonable, snap a do, yeah, you're
0: like,, oh, yeah. don't use it on the wife, doesn't doesn't work, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like like you know, I use it a lot, um in. Like, my interactions with, like, because I rent my house because we tried to buy one when we got here. We just fucking couldn't. Like, mm-hmm. they just, <laughs> every there was 85 people for every home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're like, okay, we'll just go and rent. Um, but, like, you know, with my agent, like, they're just, you know, rental agents, they're just difficult to deal with. Yeah. And so whenever I want something done at the house, I'm always, like, always start off with a little conversation. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Okay, cool. Hey, um, I'm having an issue that I think you might be able to help me with. So, like codify them as like a you know they're good like they're good at mm-hmm. their job, and I'd be like i've been having troubles with x, y, and z. do you feel like it'd be do you feel like it's unreasonable of me to ask the owner to help me with this this and this mm-hmm. and they go, yeah, that seems reasonable, you know, and I go, okay, perfect, like when do you think you can speak to them about this mm-hmm. and so from there like i've gotten the from doing that i've gotten like all of the interior window fittings completely redone. I've gotten the laundry remodeled. I've gotten um, like all of the pool stuff redone mm-hmm. at the back. Um, and I've got a couple of those, like little tiny things. And then right now, because we have got broken into again, I'm asking them to redo the entire security system mm-hmm. like that. And so, like, but all of it's just like little little bits and chunks and in the emails it's all like you know super reasonable this and reasonable that and would you be open to and it's all super neutral language and just coming at things like that it's so difficult for people to say no to you Mm -hmm. because you're open you're you're wondering you only ask for small things at a time you don't ask for big giant ones then once they're doing one thing like oh hey i know that you're having someone come out to do this would it be okay if i got them to do this as well Mm -hmm. because they're going to be there anyway -hmm. Yeah, perfect. All right, sweet. Thank you. You know, and so it's these little like um, persuasion tactics that, like, it's sort of like, you know, the world is playing checkers and you're playing chess.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know? Uh, So you're very familiar with Darren Brown. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh, Fucking genius, that dude. Yeah. And look, I was obsessed with his stuff for a long time. And I, like, when I teach dog training, I use a lot of references to his, um, you know, especially his older stuff. There's a one called the experiments um, where it's in a house, it's you know everyone's in on it except for the one poor fucker that's getting <laughs> getting mind fucked by everyone. See the
0: guy he made convinced to murder someone. Yeah,
1: well, so this is the one where they convince this guy that he had. It's an older one where he they convince him that he had murdered someone yeah. and he goes and, and confesses to murder. Um, and but the, the more recent ones where they do actually get people to fucking push someone off a building, right? Yeah. Um, and it starts with getting them to just help lay out hors d'oeuvres. Like, and and in the show, he sort of explains that if I can't get this, we don't even continue. And and in the the actual episode of it, it follows one guy, but it turns out there were multiple, right? Yeah. And it, because it doesn't always go the way that they need it to, so they play it all out. And it starts by they just, can you help me lay out these hors d'oeuvres? And then it's like, okay, now that you're in the process, it's like, can you just help me put these meat, ones on the vegetarian plate no one will know and it's like it just keeps Breaking building small and, and building awesome. and building yeah. and so that like it's that habit of like you know uh following along like you do something little do a bit more a little bit more there's also that law of reciprocity as well they help them out a little bit and it all comes back how do you bring that sort of mindset into a sales call because I, I understand it's the same thing you're building the momentum of the person going along with you right yeah like you're building the idea that you're agreeing with me, and that's why you're asking questions. Yeah, I
0: think think like the yes train, you know, like there's an old, which I think is kind of outdated, but there's an old thing in sales where it's like you want to ask nine yes questions. Okay. So the 10th one will always be a yes. Okay. I don't think that's true. Sure. I mean, I'm sure it would be for a very susceptible percentage of the population, Mm -hmm. but not for most people because like it's just very easy to get a yes so like a lot of the time, like in cold calling, like you'll want to ask a no question to begin with, okay? Because no questions are more considered, okay? Right? Like, have I caught you at a bad time? Mm-hmm. No, okay, perfect, okay. Like, hey, have I caught like have I caught you at a bad time? No, yeah. no, no, it's fine.
1: Like okay. That.
0: Do you have two minutes to talk? Yes, right? Like. So it's like, like you know, if you want to get someone's attention or get them to think, negative answers are always more considered.
1: Is there any data on that, or is that just kind of what people think?
0: I don't know. Like cold callers, good cold callers always open with a no.
1: Okay. Usually, don't usually open with a yes.
0: I there's a part of um, uh, NEPQ called the two truths questions. Okay. Which is like there's there's always two truths, and it's not that prospects lie to you. It's just that they won't always tell you the whole story, but like, nor should they. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're five minutes deep into a call and you're like, hey, man, (laughs) like, like, who the fuck are you? Right. Yeah. So like, they're going to tell you, like, if like, if there's a vulnerability scale, right, like they're not willing to exchange large amounts of information that makes them vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. Like emotionally vulnerable. Like, telling someone your goal. Like, if you were to sit here and tell me, like, what your deepest, darkest, like, this is what I want to achieve in life, that creates vulnerability,
1: Mm.
0: you know? And so, usually, the way that I look at it, vulnerability is like a handshake. Like, no one ever, like, you have to put a hand out in order to get a handshake, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's got to initiate that. So, like, if I want you to shake my hand, I have to put my hand out. If I want you to be vulnerable, I I have to give you something, Sure. you know? Whether it's even just really good listening. Okay. You know? So there's an element called the two truth question, which I thought is a really interesting area. And I do it slightly differently to how Jeremy does. So basically it's like, hey, it sounds like things are going fairly well for you. So basically I would go like, um, what are you currently doing at the moment to, you know, get better at sales? And you'd be going this, this, and this. Okay. How long have you been doing that? What caused you that way? Okay. Well, do you like what you're doing with sales training at the moment? And they, if they went, yes, I'd say perfect. Like, what do you like about it? OK. Right? Um, and then I could kind of go, OK, well, that sounds like it's going fairly well. Is there anything you would change about either this or this? Now, I always do like a process and an outcome. So I go, OK, well, man, it sounds like things are going fairly well for you because you've said yes. Right. And you go, is there anything that you would change about, I guess, either the process that you're using to get better at sales or maybe the outcomes that you're getting from that process, if you could. Mm-hmm. So now it's like you're going to give me a much more considered answer, except for just like, yeah, it's going well. So now I'm like, yeah, it's going well. But give me the second truth. Okay. So it sounds like it's going fairly well. But is there anything you would change about X or Y if you could? Okay. So I get the second truth. Now, whereas Jeremy, if they say no, then he bypasses that and he goes straight into like, well, tell me what's not going well. Okay. But for me, I actually like then going, forcing them to a yes. If I go, well, like, do you like the sales training methodology that you're using at the moment? No, I hate it. Well, I go, man, it can't be all doom and gloom. Like, you're doing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. You obviously don't hate all of it. Mm. So what do you like about it? Like, give me a positive. Yeah. Now, first of all, no salesperson's ever asked them that. Okay. So it's a very unsalesy question to be like, tell me the good things about what you're currently doing. Okay. So, like, to me, it's very disarming. Like, people are like, oh, well, then they actually have to think, right? Now they've got to go, well, I guess I like the fact that it's easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Perfect, man. Now, it sounds like it's not going terribly for you. And I'll change that modifier of like fairly well or terribly or okay or whatever, depending on kind of like the reaction they give me. Mm -hmm. I go, but is there anything you would change about, I guess, either the the process you're using or the outcomes that you're getting, if you could? Mm -hmm. Then from there, because like it's no longer a pity party, It's not, nah, I hate it, nah, right? They've gone into something positive, and now I'm asking them about a more considered negative. I get so much better feedback from that. Okay. Because, like, I'm asking them to think. Like, I don't want these, like, automatic reactions because, like, people who are unhappy about something will have, like, three or four surface-level things they don't like. Mm -hmm. But it's the ability to kind of get below that To the real thing that's fucking bothering them and like the real thing that's keeping them up at night or, you know, they got that itch for. That's what you want to get to. Yeah. And so.
1: How important is it though that your offer solves that specific problem that they've brought out? Like if they bring out that, you know, they say the thing I don't like about whatever you're trying, whatever you're pitching, and they already have a version of, stick with sales training, right? Okay. The thing I don't like about it is that a certain sales trainer doesn't let me makes me <laughs> makes me use a virtual background <laughs> with his name all over it and make it look like I'm in his office and he makes me wear a suit when I'm yeah. on sales calls so that when I'm on the training call so that he could use it in his YouTube videos. Yeah, uh, I don't like that. And then how important is it that like you can solve that specific problem or it, is that important at all? You just want there to be problems.
0: Yeah, so it really depends. Like if it's something that I think is somewhat innocuous and it doesn't really matter, I'll just kind of roll through it. If it's something that if they go like, like, you know, let's say I'm using sales process, for example. Like, well, like do, you, do you like your sales process now? No, I don't. Well, it can't be all doom and gloom. Like, what do you? It's like, you know, and they go, like, let's say the, the problem that they come up with, or they say, no, I don't like it, is like, ah, I hate the, you know, I hate the amount of leads that I'm getting. Okay. Or the amount of people I'm getting into the sales process. Now, I can't help with that. So I go, well, let's control what we can control. Sales and marketing are two different things right so let's talk about your sales process right and i get kind of get them back on track mm-hmm. cuz one of the things that you don't want to do is which is why salespeople talk too much they talk too much that the prospect talk too much they start getting into problems that they can't solve okay you know like it's probably similar like with dog training like they probably start going into fucking all types of things about their family and their house and yeah, you're yeah. like oh i don't care like that's that's nothing to do with me mm-hmm. you know so you got to kind of like but if you're trying to sell them into something like and they're all of a sudden uncovering all these problems that you can't solve, and then now you're only going to solve that problem. Mm. There's so many other problems. They they might not like put enough weight on the one that you're talking about. Yeah, that's why it's like you need to have really pointy. I I call it like staccato. Okay. Like, like the musical term, like da, 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 where the note doesn't ring out at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I like to think of my conversations in sales as quite staccato. Okay. It's like I'm not going to let the melody ring any longer than it has to. Okay. So once the, they're once hit
1: that beep, you interrupt. Yep. Good time to talk about Oodaloop. Oodaloop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It is. So go over. Tell us what it is. Well, we, we, we did discuss this on a couple of podcasts ago, and um, if people are interested, comment and they did so the OODA loop is it's a military term uh boy OODA loop he was a fighter pilot yeah uh and uh it's observe uh, orientate decide act and that's the sort of you know whenever anything happens that's the the decision making process that people go through you don't need to learn about the OODA loop in order to use it observe orientate decide act that's what's going to happen whenever yeah. it goes down but the reason we learn about it is because you want to interrupt someone's OODA loop. And so I suppose like and, and you can keep them in the cycle of having to reobserve, reorientate, redecide, and before they get a chance to act, you interrupt and you change a variable. Yep. Change anything that then means they have to go back. Fuck, okay, reobserve, reorientate, redecide, changing variable. Shit, I gotta go again. Yep. So that would be exactly what you're doing there when if someone starts trailing off about their, their problem that you've brought to attention, that you don't actually yep. want to spend any more time on. You have to interrupt that oodle loop. That's why say, like,
0: having um, an active role in the conversation is quite important. Mm-hmm. Like if you're selling someone, you'd be like,
1: okay, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those mm-hmm feedbacks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because if you never stop talking, it's very easy to interrupt people. Mm-hmm. If you're dead silent for two minutes and then go, oh, hang on a second, okay? It's usually going to be quite abrupt. Also, I use a vocal lead-in. Mm-hmm. I go, well, well. well, well, well I, I, you, you sort of mentioned this. Do you mind if I ask you about that? Right. And I'll almost always do it that way where I'll ask them about something they just said because, and I'll always ask them a question about them. I'll never interrupt to give an opinion. Okay. It's a waste of time, right? Yeah. Even if I want to give an opinion, first of all, your opinion is garbage in sales. Like the mantra that I have in my head is everything I say is garbage, everything they say is gospel. Okay. So, like, I have to get them to tell me everything that I want to
1: say. Okay.
0: You know, because like if, if I say, well, your sales sucks and that's why you don't make enough money. This just means nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm a sales guy. Like I'm trying to sell them into sales training. They need to tell me their sales sucks and that's why they're making no the money. Mm-hmm. And so I have to ask them very strategic questions to get them to admit to all those things. And like my sales is like a, just a constant opening and closing of doors. Mm-hmm. Like there's a problem. I can choose to, you know, if they, they say something problematic, like if a sales guy is talking to me about lead quality, I don't really want to get in that conversation. I can't control it. I can't help him with it, you know? So like I can choose to ignore it and that could be the right move. I can choose to fix it there and then, or I'll know that like I have to fix it during a component of the process. Okay. And so like that's why people who are really good at selling, like that sort of OODA loop is, I guess it's constantly happening because- yeah. um, Which is why it's really difficult to be good at selling when you're learning a new method. Yeah. And I tell people that. Like, if you're coming into, say, the NAPQ sort of methodology and you're learning it, like, the best thing you can do is just learn your script back to front as fast as humanly possible. Just memorize it so that that's just one less thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can just rattle it off and sell someone with no script but still take them through it, then you don't have to think about that component because it's just muscle memory at that point. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is then then you can be having the conversation with yourself. And you're like, is this a problem or is this good? Okay, this is good. Okay, I'll let them keep going, keep going. Oh, that's good. No, too far. Stop. Oh, sorry, you, you sort of mentioned this. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? then you just keep going keep going okay cool i have what i need next phase Hmm. so what's my bridging question to the next phase what's the next part of the cycle and that's where you just have your script up next to you and you just flash over for a second you see the first letter you go well just so i can see the rationale like you know exactly where to go and so if you can and and if you can rattle those if you read it it, that's the thing people fuck up right they get their script up and it hasn't like next to them on zoom just so like c- I don't care. Like it's really difficult to read something even if you know it really well mm-hmm. without it sound like it's being read. Yeah. So if you that's can-
1: a That's the magic skill that presenters have. Like yeah. that is the secret sauce to being a presenter, being able to read a script. So few people can read a script and have it sound natural.
0: Yeah. That's why like I can't even like, – I can barely take notes for a presentation. It yeah. comes off terrible. Yeah. So I just need to go, okay, this is what I'm going to chat about. As long as I'm talking about something I know about, I can rattle off for an hour or two. It's yeah. fine. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, if you can look down a teleprompter and read it, that's so difficult
1: to do, like, so hard. Yeah, and and have people not realize that you're reading a script. It's fucking impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, re- it's a real skill set that takes a lot of time to actually learn and develop. But, the, like, for me, it's just, okay, I'll just memorize the crap out of it. And then from there, like, you can deliver those verbal pauses that we were talking about before, like, a pause for effect before, pause for effect after, yeah. Um, like, you can slow your pacing down. Like, if you, th- if you need someone to think about stuff um, or you want to, like, invoke um, uh, introspective thought, right, then, like, you talk about a non-existent third party mm. in, in ways that they can... So, like, one of the things, that like, everyone makes themselves the hero of the story, mm-hmm. right? Like, when you watch Thor, you're, main character. you're Thor. Yeah. You know, in reality, you're the dog trainer, podcast guy in Asgard, I'm the fucking sales dude <laughs> trying to swindle everyone, right? Like, that's that's our roles. Like, we're not Thor, right? You know what I mean? Like, like But you could imagine if we, we were. We could there, imagine, right? right? Yeah. 20 years ago, Different we, were, story. we were doing something. Yeah. But not still probably not Thor. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right? Hey, guys, Fat Thor's back. <laughs> um, I didn't want to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you can – like, everyone Everyone does that. That's a real trick that people need to learn. Mm-hmm. People need to learn. So, like, you can tell a story that doesn't – that's about, about no one in particular. And if you do it right, they will always place themselves. Like, I had this thing called the island analogy. I don't use it very much anymore because I find the better you get at sales, the less tricks you need because mm-hmm. you can just use tonality and pausing to kind of, like –
1: Okay, well, I'm dog shit, so so teach it to
0: me. I created this analogy. I don't know where I created it or why. I was on a sales call one day, and I said it just out of the fucking blue. Because, like, essentially, there's a couple of problems that people need to solve, right? The first thing is they need to... um, People need to be acknowledged for having taken the first step, which is at least admitting there's a problem and a solution, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, anyway, I was like, okay, if if I talk about a problem and about a bunch of people going and about the different outcomes. I was like, I can create a story where they'll place themselves in where they are and where they want to be. So I was like, okay man, picture an island surrounded by water. And I was like, and, and there's a bunch of people on this island and every single decision that they make is always underpinned by the fact that they're on an island surrounded by water all the way to the horizon mm-hmm. with limited resources. Right. Because we're all making decisions from the perspective we have and they're on an island at sea level. They can see, you know, 17.1 nautical nautical miles or whatever it is. And so every decision that they make, man, is like, fuck, you know, no matter where they walk around, the view is the exact same.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I was like, the problem is for the people there, there are jungles, there are mountains, there's many things of which they cannot see because of where they are. So they need to get from sea level, from the island, to on top of the mountain, like say Everest, right? Because at Everest, you take in more information. Therefore, your decision-making process is better. Mm -hmm. Does that seem reasonable? Absolutely, makes sense. Sweet. The problem is, like, they can't see the mountain. So you get all these people walking around, And the first group of people just, like, they just walk around, hoping and praying that the mountain will someday present itself. Sweet. But, like, all they're going to do is just walk a track plan around the mountain. Mm -hmm. Right? So the first difficult decision that has to be made is you have to believe the mountain's there. Right? You're here. You're on the call. You know that there's more, like, available to you. So, like, congratulations. You've taken the first difficult step by at least acknowledging the fact that there is a mountain even though you can't see it. Now, the second and really difficult one is to pick a direction because there's no way of knowing whether or not the direction that you've picked is right. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And you will never know until you either drown or get there. Right? But I mean, like, I'd rather drown than just be stuck with a bunch of people walking around a mountain hoping that the mountain presents itself one day, right? So... So first difficult decision, believe it's there. Second difficult decision is picking a direction. And the third and most difficult, and the one that most of those people on that island will never take, is they start walking in that direction, knowing full well they may drown in the hopes that you get there. And so, like, let me ask you a question, Pat. How much longer do you want to spend walking around that island? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hoping that one day. I, I gotta get off this island. I gotta get off the island. Okay? <laughs> I'm in. So like at no stage, like you sort of mention the person, but you sort of start putting yourself mm-hmm. in the position and like thinking about it and visualizing it and mm-hmm. going like, oh okay. And it sort of starts to make sense yeah why it's a difficult decision. And I think like in sales, we want to like we wanna you know, Cardone has a great, a great line. I don't know if it's a real sales call or a fake sales call, but it's a sales call he did on on YouTube. And his guy is sitting there trying to sell this guy into like a three-year, $2,000 a month program, right? And uh, this guy's selling him and doing a shit job of it. And Grant fucking comes over. And he's like, this is Grant Cardone, right? <laughs> and does the whole thing. And the guy goes, two grand a month, it's a lot of money. He goes, you're not making a two grand a month decision. He goes, you're making a $36,000 decision. He goes, big boy decisions, big boy results. Yep. Right? And he goes, so you're going to make the fucking big boy decision or what? Yeah. And I was like, it's actually a really, I mean, that's like- That's high risk, right? That's the blunt way of doing it. When you're Cardone, you get away with it, right? Yeah. That guy was going to say yes just because of the fact he was talking to Grant, right? Yeah. And you can just, when you got that authority, you just start smacking people with it, right? Yeah. But- um. Like, it's a really good point of like, um, I think in sales, people try to minimize the importance of the decision too much, where it's like, no, 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 like this is a really important decision." Mm-hmm. And like, I want you to make an important decision, an important and informed one. And so like by saying it's easy to take these steps to drop $18,000 in sales training or $30,000 on Amazon or even fucking 600 bucks on fucking whatever, right? Like the, the the risk to you is relative to like how how much water is in your bucket, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so like by minimizing it, like I think it, it's doing the prospect a disservice and I think the salesperson as well because like if you realize this is an important decision, then like you can use that -hmm. As like, well, like when was the last time anything substantial happened from an insignificant decision? Mm. You know? Like if you want a substantial or significant outcome, like you have to make it an equal decision. Yep. You know, like the decision to have children carries tremendous weight. Right? Tell me about it. And but but like also like the significance that you get from it carries equal weight. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I, I think it's uh you know by that island analogy like it, it tends to sort of like it it, it, it it adds significance to the decision because it, you know it's like this is difficult and I understand this is difficult and there's three difficult choices mm. and each one of those choices is a barrier of entry right mm. And generally speaking the harder something is to get into, the better it is
1: you know so that island analogy and keeping it in a, like a third person. Probably uh, increases the amount of empathy you can give to the difficulty of that decision, right? Yeah. Because it's not you and it's not me; it's someone else, and we can talk about how hard it is for that person and empathize with that hypothetical person. Yeah, and therefore bond over our own feelings of it, while it's neither of our neither of us have that feeling. This other entity does. Yeah. So there's all
0: kinds of like little things like that that I sort of created, um, you know, to like to sort of give a visual or. Like third party aspect. Like I mean, when I was, uh have like a deer, that deer and bear analogy, I think mm-hmm. I've said before, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, there's a deer and a bear. Yeah. And the deer and, you know, just being cute. And then all of a sudden the deer seasons. I'm going the fuck out of that deer. You yeah, know what I mean? Starts running towards it. And the fucking deer takes off like who gives up first yeah you know and so that is like a completely animal like everyone answers the same way the bear will give up first why because it can just pick something else Mm -hmm. right the deer has its life on the line there's a level of significance behind the decision to stop Mm -hmm. it knows it's going to get fucking dead Mm -hmm. so i think you know like having that in that impartial third party truism you know I think it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and it, it makes more sense to then give weight to the decision and then actually like, okay, no, I need to make a decision. Mm. So makes it easier.
1: I've, I've used that deer and bear one, you know, in, in other circumstances. Uh, and I wonder sometimes when you talk about that, like how many people can really put themselves in the position of the deer? Like how many people have ever been in a position where if I stop, I'll die? Yeah. Like, and, and I... I it's a, I wonder how well it works on people who like, cause you and I get that. It's like, Oh no, like I've been in the position yeah. where it's like, if I, if I don't do this, I'm dead. I yeah. remember when me and Tim like call the fucking JDM on ourselves. Cause we we're like, Oh, well this is it. Like this is the only chance that we have. Yeah. And it's like, what else are we going to do? And I think about that every time i say like, Oh, you know, who's going to give up first? They're like, how would I know? I've never been in that kind of situation. I think the, well, the other one as well that you can use is like, when, and people use,
0: you know, like the burning house analogy. Mm. It's like, I think because people have seen a burning house. Yeah, Also yeah. like that footage of people jumping out of the building in nine eleven. Yeah. You know, it's like people have seen like, you'll fucking run out of a burning building. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, a, you know, I think anything that you can equate things back to people's, Either lived or sort of semi like lived experiences where yeah. they they know things you know like you can picture yourself in a burning building yeah, yeah if you've never been in one you'd fucking run out of that bitch like it was on fire
1: yeah yeah you know like <laughs> I ain't getting fucking burned
0: yeah um and so anything that you can kind of equate uh back to I guess experience or lived experience or things that break it down to like its truest like most simplest element mm. you know like because you can choose to move forward or not. You know what I mean? But what are the ramifications of that? Yep. And then like, why would you not move forward? Yep. And is it because you haven't put any significance to your decision making? Like, oh, just do it later. It's like, well, you probably won't. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, I've, I've, heard, I've as someone who's been in fitness, like worked in fitness for a long time, I've heard a lot of people tell me that they're going to get to it. Yeah. You know? It's like, well, you probably won't. Yeah. You know? And it's like, what are the, let's talk about the significance of both of those decisions. Mm-hmm. Because like, they are. You know, they are important decisions to make.
1: I think, and really weighing it up, I think so few people. You wouldn't have that conversation with yourself because it's so difficult. Like, it's no fun to have. <laughs> it's no fun, <laughs> it's no fun no. to really, like, think through the consequences. Yeah. To be, have your hand held and be walked down that path. It's yeah. so uncomfortable when you, co- like, confront the reality of inaction. And the
0: problem is I do it so often. I do it to myself all the time. Really? Yeah, like, my hand is kind of fucked. This <laughs> hand is pretty fucked, right? Like, I've got super bendy joints. Okay. Like, I'm hypermobile in my stomach. Yeah. That's where my stomach issues come from. I got the peristalsis hypermobility. I can do the split still to this day. Yeah. And I've got crazy bendy fingers. And every time I open something, it fucking shoots pain. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that just took 10 years off my life. <laughs> because, like, as soon as you lose the ability to open shit, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. So I'm actually... Like, because of that, that happened the other day, I was like, fuck, this is getting to the point where it's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I'm booking in with the physio so I can get some exercises to fucking stop that. Because I know the moment I stop being able to open jars, cut food, like, that's that's when the expiry meter begins. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is not long, you know? <laughs> it's one of the reasons why, like, I like lifting weights. Like, I'm back into it now. But, like, the more muscle mass you can carry, the older you get, the better you are. Yeah. That's why, I like, I'm not going to be a cardio junkie as I'm older. No, no. I just lift weights and try and keep as much mass on myself as humanly possible, as old as I can possibly be. Yeah. Because with my high level of income <laughs> and advanced in modern science, two twenty, two fifty, 250, <laughs> it's least. not unreasonable. At least. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I
1: think, um, I don't
0: know. That's was interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you're still here you obviously thought Get it on was you. congratulations thanks for sticking around to the end yeah um leave us a comment tell us yeah. what you think see i go with the outro yeah oh it's my turn you can do it yeah oh okay well hey guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of coffee is for Closers. if you like the show like rate share subscribe the best way to do that is through whatever you're watching slash listening on if you're one of the old faithfuls still downloading it and just audio only congratulations do it there. Otherwise, give us a little like on YouTube. Share it around. Tell a friend. And if you want to hear about anything specific, uh, get in contact with me in the comments of the YouTube video. And that will drive the content going forward. I think we're like the reality is there's a lot of very high end sales training information that I am gleaming out of you <laughs> and we are giving away for free because so. people have actually contacted me like this is you should be charging for this and we're not. So here it is. No. Alright, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's
0: for closers, only. Look.